Good morning. Uh, Alex, guys, that was phenomenal. And gals. Guys and gals. <laughs> hey, um, let, me, let me pastor a moment here if I can. It, it's not, this is rare. Um, I've grown up in church. And to, to be in a place where the presence of God is just real. It's not a joke. The presence of God is real. And when you, when you get, hear this, I'll count the joy come every battle. Okay, you don't typically hear those things put together. We just sing those, by the way. Martin Luther says Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. In the water, in the fire. Here's what's true. Today, just so you know, today, um, if you're visiting with us, not a, not a long message, not an involved message, is more about the response of your heart in the end here. We've, we've talked for seven weeks about the injustices happening in our world as a result of sin and broken relationship. We've talked about the call of God upon the believer's life to step into injustice, to battle injustice on behalf of those who stand behind those giants experiencing that injustice. We fight for them. What you need to know is that God beats us there. And wherever he calls you to go, he will be there before you get there. You don't have to go create something out of nothing. He did that. It's why he's God. We just have to listen and hear and be obedient. And, and the joy is there come every battle because God is there. And so we, it's just like you might take some lumps, but you win. Not because of anything you do, but because of what he's done. I mean, that is true. And so when, when we sing that, and then you couple that with, oh, Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Listen, I've learned early on in my, in my walk with Jesus that I cannot do this life without Jesus. And you know what? Try, 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 and you'll come to the same conclusion when you've experienced Jesus that it's better with him than without him. It just is. And so as we dive in to our, our conversation today, this is more about how is God going to use you or how is God using you or what is God doing in you and how are you going to respond in obedience? Worship is our response to the revelation of God, that God is revealing who he is. So we sing and we adore him, but we also walk out and we're obedient to him because he loves us. Thanks, Jared. That was a great pastoring moment. <laughs> I felt if I let him stay up there the whole time, you would think it was the end before it was the end. You're like, wow, this is going to be a quick one. The music's already playing. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates man. He forms him in his image, man and woman, he created them. After his likeness, God created us in his image. We are human imagers of God. We point people to Jesus. And it was in that moment that sin entered the picture 
through an adversary called the devil. And in the moment we decided to do our own thing and walk away from God, it's getting really lame. That's a better one, isn't it? The fight began. Some of you are like, what do you, where did you get that? Well, I have to tell you, there's, a, there's actually, you'll get a chance to do that later too. There's actually a, a, a big old boxing wrestling ring in the gym. I have a buddy who's a pro wrestler, and I called him. I said, hey, do you have a ring, like a, like a wrestling ring? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can we use it? He's like, yeah. Like, you got a bell? He's like, yeah. Can we use it? I'm like, yeah. I mean, and so yesterday we set it up. I have to tell you, though, if you've met, I don't see Mike. I don't think Mike is, is here. Maybe he'll be in the third service. Mike is a big guy. And yesterday, after we set it up, Jimmy, wave at us. Stand up. Jimmy volunteered to be body slammed by my mic. Uh, I leaned over during worship. I said, you okay? Because it was hard. I mean, it was like, wow. So if you want body slams later, Mike will probably be around to do that. But the ring is there to simulate or to invite us to experience what it's like to step into the fight, to step into the ring. So stand with me this morning as we read from the word of God. I know I say this a lot, so it has the potential to become just something we say every time, but I really want you to understand the importance of why we stand. It is to honor the fact that this is the Word of God. Uh, we will do our best to um, share what we believe God is trying to say and how this applies to our life, but in this moment, what we read comes from His Word. It is um, truth. It is life. It frees us, and so we honor it. So starting in Mark, we were there last week, chapter uh, 12. Verse 29, Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in all of the law was, and he replied, the most important commandment in this is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength, and you must. When the word uh, of God gives that kind of language to you, it, it, is, it is not out of demand as much as it is out of benefit to you. It is a command, but it is for your benefit. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Then I want you, if you can, to flip over, go right in the Bible to Luke chapter 10. This is Luke's account. One day, an expert and religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story, because that's Jesus, and it's just what he does. I love it. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Would to God that we would feel compassion for people. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. 
Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The word of God. Father, we ask you in these moments to challenge our hearts that following you is not to just be okay for ourselves, but to take the love and goodness and greatness and mercy of God and hand it out through your Holy Spirit and your strength and your power. May we become that kind of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. I want you to understand when we say fight, um, we're talking about three types of fighting that is going on. Um, And I want you to get clear about the fighting that's going on. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes here and then um, we're going to get you out of here to, to prayerfully respond to what God would have you do. The first fight is the fight for your soul. The fight that you experience every day when you wake up to either follow the spirits leading in your life or the flesh. To either follow what the world is doing or what God is doing. To be transformed by the renewing of your mind that transforms you from the inside out. Or to try to make God happy by outside in religion. It is a fight that we wake up with. And we have been given the spirit to give us courage, strength, power, authority in the midst of the fight. But there is a fight. If you ignore that fight, you lose that fight. So that is a fight that's going on. The other fight is the fight that as followers of Jesus, we fight for each other. That we love each other in a way that the world doesn't fully understand because they have not received the love of God, which then allows us to give that love back, which transforms us in a way that lets us love each other unconditionally. That lets us stand beside each other in love and not judgment. That lets us lean in and not away. That lets us be vulnerable and transparent because that's where greater connectivity happens. The last fight is the fight that we undergo for the world, for those who don't know, for injustice, fighting for justice, just as God designed it. We have a value here. Um, We don't want to just have values. We want to live them. And so we say we live like... Jesus is our hope. Do you know that if you believe Jesus is your hope, that it actually changes the way you live? So how does the truth of Jesus being your hope change how you live, act, breathe, experience, treat people, any of it? If Jesus is our hope, what does it look like to have or to live like that is true? Well, we decided last week that it impacts us personally. Hope is personal. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you do that, God begins to bring wholeness. Don't let the enemy of your soul have any of those loves in any way. World, flesh, devil, but let God have them all. Because when you do, you will experience life to the full. Right? We talked about that. Hope is also what the world needs. It's not just personal but it is also what the world needs. Why? Because right now, the world in which we live in, probably more than ever, and that's just a statement that I'm making, is living in despair. 
Now, despair, if you define it, is the absence of hope. The number one goal of the enemy in our world, and he uses tactics after tactics, lies are at the forefront. The number one tactic is to isolate you, to get you alone so that you will be hopeless because he knows the power of hope through Jesus to transform a heart and a life. And here's what I want to tell you about despair. Despair doesn't sleep. Despair is always awake. Despair doesn't celebrate its religion on the weekends and then take the rest of the week off. Despair is moving and working. It is evil. It is what the devil is doing in the world. And if despair doesn't sleep, then neither should hope. And we are those who God has allowed his hope to infiltrate our heart and our lives, our souls, our minds, our hearts, and we get to bring that hope to the world. Wouldn't it be awesome if the church became 24-7, not just once a weekend? If our buildings that are beautiful were open all the time, not just certain times, where people didn't have to call a hotline, those aren't bad, but they could show up and meet face to face with hope because hope is Jesus. What would happen if that was true, if we became that kind of church? If it's true that we want hope for ourselves, and I would, here's, here's what's crazy. I would venture to say that if we said um, hope is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God, that he is who he says he is, he'll do what he says he's going to do, and that he's for you and loves you, he's not mad at you, but he wants you to live life and live it to the full, most people in the room are going to say, I want that. I think that's something good to have. And so if you want hope for yourself, then as followers of Jesus, and I make that very clear, we must want hope for others. Matter of fact, I would say that once you've experienced the hope of Jesus in your life, the thing that will actually happen is you will long for others to have that hope. It just will be a byproduct. And to the same degree that we pursue it for ourselves, this hope, We must pursue it for others. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's a good parent line, isn't it? We've used it often. I've, we've used it as parents. It's a, it's, it's a Jesus statement. In everything. So in everything. In everything. Guys, there's no out here. Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Love your neighbor as yourself is the golden rule. And we are commanded not just to love the Lord our God, which is to our benefit, but to love our neighbor as ourselves, which isn't just to their benefit, it's to ours as well. It is the golden rule. It's the summary of the entire law. Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law can be subbed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's the second greatest command within the entire Bible. This passage seems to demand that I tear the skin off my body and wrap it around another person so that I feel that I am that other person. To crawl into their world, to walk a mile in their shoes. And all the longings that I have for my own safety and my own health and my own success and my own joy, I now feel for that other person as though that person were me. 
and not just people that I like, but every person God brings in my path. Every person. And so as someone who experiences hope wherever God takes you, you are a conduit of hope. To walk away is injustice. This absolutely unbelievable commandment. And if this is what it means to step into the life of another person, then something unbelievably powerful and earth-shaking and reconstructing and overturning and upending will have to happen in the depths of our souls because it is not natural for us to do it. Something supernatural has to happen. Something well beyond what self-preserving or self-enhancing or self-exalting or self-esteeming or self-advancing human beings do on their own. We can't do this on our own because on our own, we give way to ourselves. So what doesn't come naturally must come intentionally, and the intentionality is the supernatural, that the Holy Spirit would be able to work and move in our lives so that we would be aware of what God is doing wherever God is doing it. <laughs> That's why we've been saying as a church that we don't want Jesus, because we've recognized this is true in the world, we don't want Jesus to just be a value-add proposition to our pursuit of our American dream. Matter of fact, we've become bold over the last few years to say death to the American dream. It, it promises a hope it can't keep. That happiness doesn't come from having all I think I want. That joy only comes through knowing Christ. And Christ alone. And so I don't want Jesus as a value add, as a drawer on the dresser. I want him to be the dresser that all of my things fit into. I don't need just a savior. I desire and long for a Lord because I know that unless I have a Lord, I can't have a savior. We want a radical redirection of the heart that happens from the inside out because we know that when that happens, there will be a love that we can give others that only God can give us. You don't have to manufacture it. You don't have to willpower it. You don't have to just feel it, but it just comes because the Holy Spirit is present. We look at the fruits of the Spirit and we try to put those in our lives instead of just getting with God and letting God rub off in such a way that those things are in our lives. It's not religion for us. When I say for us, for us as a church, I have to, I'm so proud of this church. Not in an arrogant, prideful, bad way. I'm just proud of this church. I'm proud of us as a people, you as a people willing to lean in and say, man, whatever God has, I'm in. So many, more than I've ever experienced in the church world, are leaning in with that spirit and that attitude. The journey we've been on hasn't caused people to run, but it's caused them to run toward God, not away. To say, man, I may not know what it looks like, God, but I am done fearing it because you have not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. It's not religion for us. So I'm going to say some things that if you feel them are true for you or you long for them to be true, then say something. Just be careful what you say. <laughs> it's not religion for us. It's an all-in relationship with God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit that awakens us to who we are in Jesus. Children of God and gives us a passion for God that is expressed in delight, not duty. 
Like I wake up in the morning excited to hang out with God for the rest of the day. And I don't tell God what I'm going to do and ask him to bless it, but I ask God what he is blessing and I jump in and be part of it. I delight. I want to hang out with him. I don't say things like I got to work on my devotional life. I got to be better at this. No, it is something that is welling up in me and I just long for it because I'm asking and praying that God would do it. I actually grieve when my day ends and I haven't been with him. From that moment on, we live for a different kingdom. It's kingdom over everything. Our effort isn't in the doing, it's in the being. And the doing flows from our relationship with God. We don't try, we abide. Our effort isn't in the trying, our effort is in the being with God. I'm convinced that that's where we need to spend some time over the next few weeks and months is learning to abide. But we've joined the kingdom mission of overcoming evil with good. And we do that through our own reconciliation to God through Jesus. And we join him on that mission of reconciliation, seeing the restoring of all things to how God designed them to be justice. And it shows itself in relationship to God and each other in the world. Justice. Our problem is spiritual and the answer is spiritual, but it doesn't happen outside of relationship. See, we could unpack the Good Samaritan story all we want. We've unpacked it in 20 different ways, and every different way we go, oh, that feels good. But here's why I read that story. The Good Samaritan was the master of kindness, true, but he was also a picture of biblical justice. He helped to restore what was taken from an innocent, broken man when everybody else walked by. He righted a wrong and brought the situation into a place that more closely resembled God's original design. That when somebody is hurting and when somebody is broken, we step in. One of the calls on the Christian life is to do justice, not to see justice merely as an attribute or a really good idea or a philosophy, but to fully embrace the fact that justice must be seen on this earth through the activities of Jesus' followers. I believe it was Penn from Penn and Teller that said, how could you truly believe that God is who he says he is and not tell us you must hate us? There are practical ways to engage our world in the fight for justice. And as Christians, it's up to us to find the most effective justice ideas and implement them right now. That's why as a church, we spoke about the global giants of injustice So that we wouldn't be illiterate anymore. And now we're saying as a church, where is God going to use us? Where is God going to use you? The longer we wait, once we've heard justice calling our name, the more injustice devastates. It's not as if the oppressors take a break while we collect our thoughts and get up the courage to act. They'll keep on going until we've decided to peacefully but stubbornly invade. And that's what this world needs from followers of Jesus, an invasion of justice, a revolution of righteousness, a battle of love, where the fearful are turned to bravery and the weak are made strong in the God who created each one of us. Hope has to be personal because the number one priority of our life must be loving God. That's the first fight. And that'll be a fight for the rest of our life. But thank God He loves us so we can love him. And so he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as you do that, as you stop giving your loves to other things, but you let God reorder your loves to him alone, life. As part of our loving God, we need the love of each other in the church. That's the other fight. 
A new command I give you, he said, love one another as I have loved you. How did he love you? He gave his life for us. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. We've lost the practice of confession in the church where we get together with people we love and trust and say, here's what's going on in my life. And they pray for us and healing comes in our lives. We need each other. Jesus said, if you'll, if you'll let my love invade your heart, if you will love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then you love each other, it'll be the kind of love the world will look on and say, you must be people of Jesus. You must be his disciples because of how you love. It will just look different. Why? Because we don't lean away in judgment, but we lean in in love and we sit down next to the hurting and the lost and the least and the last and brothers and sisters in Christ. And we say, whatever it is, I'm here and I'm not leaving. Church, it's championing the abused and walking beside them, but it's also praying for the abuser and believing God can radically redirect a heart. It's both. We're healed in relationship with each other. We encourage one another daily because we need each other to be healed and to keep believing. And we are sent together into this world to heal because we have each other and because we have the Holy Spirit. See, here's what's really amazing. If we have the Holy Spirit and we have each other, God says we're going to have the courage and the faith and the hope and the love to reach this world. Why wouldn't we want the world to have the church like the church is there for us, to have the Holy Spirit like the Holy Spirit is there for us. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly. Justice is the work of love in the world. The world says love is about how someone makes them feel or how they feel about someone else. <laughs> God says love is about how you behave and how you treat others. That The best sign you love God is that you love everyone else. For God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Our hope is Jesus. The world's hope is Jesus. We're called to bring Jesus to the world. Hope is our cause. Love is our action. We fight with love, but we fight. So what's your fight? For some of us, it's just surrounding yourself with people who love Jesus because it's such a strong fight in your heart right now. That's good. Others of us, it's being there for other believers. It's surrounding ourselves with people that keep us believing. But I believe God is moving all of us to the place where injustice exists in the world to bring the justice of God, the love and hope of God. Where is he taking you? What is he breaking your heart for? Listen to some of these stories. So my name is Allie Carlson, and I work in a service field, so it's really easy to say, well, God, I, I went to work today, and I helped a lot of people there. And, um, and that's great, and I love it, but I just feel like I'm not using the other time I have outside of my work week um, to be finding something that God wants me to do. So I started praying on it, and I asked, um, you know, where do you see me, God? Where do you want me to be? How can I be helping your people? Then it just kind of hit me that what I needed to go back to is something that I'd done a few years ago, and that's teaching English as a second language. Um, we don't have a program like that at our church. We have a large Spanish-speaking population in our area, 
some of them come through our church doors every week. They come to the church in the evenings or the afternoons here, and um, we have a, a awesome food pantry. And there's tons of people that speak Spanish, and they they're not getting an opportunity to learn English. And you hear it everywhere you go, right? You're living in America now. You should speak English, but who's teaching the English? Um, people come here from another country. They move into communities that are similar to what they grew up with, similar to what they have at home, and that's comfortable for them. And they continue to use their their native language. Um, they get jobs where they continue to use their native language, and they don't get opportunities to learn English. And uh, even those that do learn English don't often get the confidence that they need to actually start using that in everyday practice. Um, but I, I think the way that I see God working in me is that this is an opportunity for me to help people. This is so such a tangible way to help his people so that they can have just more impactful lives too. Um, when people ask, why are you doing this? Well, I'm doing this because you're part of God's people and I want to help you. And I know that this is a way that I can meet a need that you have. I mean, God, Jesus asked us, said, you know, be my hands and feet, get out there and be my people and, and help them. And we can do that. You just watch people change. You know, I've, I've taught English as a second language before, and you see these people start week one, and they're nervous, and they're anxious, and they don't know you or why you're there. And you build a relationship, and you start joking, and you have fun. and They learn English, which is great. They can go to the grocery store now, and they can ask where something is. They can go to their doctor's appointment and explain their pain. That's awesome. But they also know that they have people here that want to see them succeed in our community, that we can work together to have a better community. So my name is Jess, and I have this strong desire to go after this ministry that God chose for me, that I wouldn't have even known. My story all along was kind of leading up to this. So a little background, I am the youngest of six kids. Uh, my dad left when I was three. From there, my mom wasn't emotionally stable enough to care for herself or her kids. Enter in abandonment and rejection and real, real pain, deep-rooted pain that I didn't even start to be able to process until I was older. I was passed from home to home, really losing what any sort of identity that I had. Though my childhood was hard, I knew that my story was going to be used someday. When, as I got older, the scripture that always stuck out to me is what the enemy meant for evil, God was going to use for his glory. And so I clung to that. I knew that my story was going to bring somebody hope. And it was a story that I knew needed to be heard. And so what many years of being silent, I knew I needed to start sharing this story, start sharing this hope that I had. And so that's where I am today. And that's where I found my fight with Team Mother Choices. And it was only moments into researching this ministry that my husband found me in tears. And I looked at him and was like, I don't know what this looks like, but we're going to do this. And I decided right then and there that I was not going to allow fear to be the reason why I said no to God, that excuses and fears weren't going to hold me back, that this need was greater than my fears. And though I had no idea what this was going to look like, and though I battled so many lies that I was unqualified and without margin, I was going to keep moving forward. And I knew that that's when faith and trust were going to set in. One of the things that stuck out most to me when I was researching this ministry that if my mom had mentors pouring into her, maybe her life would have looked differently. If she had people giving her the right tools or emotional support, maybe all of her kids would have been thriving. If she would have found the love of Jesus at a young age, maybe my 23-year-old sister would not have had to adopt me. 
pouring into these young kids, pouring into these young moms, directly pours into their children. Generations are being set free. Somebody fought for me. And so that is why I am willing to stand up and fight for those who cannot fight for themselves. Each of us have a story. And it might not look exactly like my story, but we all have a story. We all came from something. There's been something that has formed us to be who we are, and that's where God can use us. My name is Catherine. Uh, Alpine's been my home for about six years. It's been uh, four years that I've been helping with the pantry, doing food delivery. But um, through the services, and I've been prompted really to want to do something more than, than the pantry that, that does really that is really fulfilling and I think that's really important. But at the same time through many of the messages that you know Dave has put out there about community and really just having others see Jesus through you, you know, I just was always searching for something more. There's something more that I should be doing, but really didn't know what that was. So after one of the services I was just moved to ask Dave if I could pray with the people that come to pantry. Now I am praying with about 80% of the population. I know most of their names and most of their stories. So it is really rewarding. And I feel truly blessed to be able to know that they're leaving here not only with food for their families, but also with hope in their heart for all the struggles and challenges that they're dealing with. So this truly is um, one of the things I would look forward to the most of my week to come here on Saturday and be with the people who I feel like now they're looking forward to seeing me. So I usually try to work from the back of the room to the front and sometimes I can't even get there. So it's really nice to be stopped by all the people along the way. And so that just makes me know that they're, it, they really do appreciate it, you know, and it really does mean a lot to them. So that leaves me sometimes, I leave here crying, but... I'm really blessed and my heart is really happy that I can make a difference in somebody's life and maybe just bring them a little more hope and faith than they had before they came to deal with whatever it is they're going through. So uh, four years ago, I got hired at Wakanda uh, to be a volleyball coach and um, I knew that Alpine Chapel uh, has been running the food pantry on Saturdays. Um, and they're always looking for volunteers, so I brought it up to the varsity coach. Uh, hey, I was wondering if you guys wanted me to set up um, a volunteering opportunity that um, from 9 to noon come in, bring each team, um, and have them work a Saturday as part of our community service to get our hours. Um, so as, as you know, there's a lot of Latino families here. Um, my dad is from Uruguay, so I do have the Latin background myself, and it's funny because the very first time I came, uh, they asked, does anybody speak Spanish and would they be comfortable um, saying the prayer and giving the announcements in Spanish? And my whole team looked at me knowing that I speak Spanish and they were like, you know, go for it. And I said, all right, you know, got to practice what you preach and, uh, and uh, kind of take the lead there. And uh, from ever since then, every time I've come to, to the food pantry, if they needed me, uh, I'll either walk with uh, some of the Latino shoppers and just talk to them. I'll ask if they, if they need me to lead the prayer, if they need me to make any announcements, and I feel very comfortable doing it, and I feel just like good to uh, have the girls see me kind of take a lead role in that and kind of step up to the plate when, uh, when necessary. Uh, I think anybody who's maybe feels like they're missing something and they want to 
step up to play for something. I think it's very simple to come to a place like Alpine and have tons of opportunities to just kind of step in and, and kind of try something, not even that you have to take a leadership role, but just be a part of something that's bigger than you. Uh, I think it really is a nice stepping stone to do something and then if you like it, you keep doing it. If you don't like it, you maybe can hopefully find something else, but there is pretty much something for everybody uh, within this, uh, within Alpine. My name is Brema. Um, I'm a retired emergency room nurse and had no idea what retirement was holding for me. Used to challenges of being busy. Um, and I had been to Uganda twice after retirement. Um, loved every minute of it. Um, and as by the time I reached 70, I just turned 70, I, you know, with the additional aches and pains in life and age and uh, getting a knee replacement, I started questioning what does the rest of my life look like? And I was losing some hope, um, feeling, you know, feeling challenged with, you know, I'm an old fart now. Maybe I, shouldn't I say this? I'm in church. <laughs> but anyway, so, and I was thinking, you know, what am I going to do? You know, the Uganda flight is just so long and exhausting. Each time I've gone there, I've gotten sick. And so I was, I had volunteered for some things, but they felt boring to me. I wasn't feeling challenged. And that was just adding to my, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, then I'd heard about the Laredo trip, and I thought, it's a quick flight. It's just for four nights. I can do that. Um, and our first day down there proved to be as exhausting as I was told it was going to be. Um, you know, we had worked in this hot 100 degree warehouse, you know, manual labor for hours. And by the time it was over, I was in tears, head to toe physically and emotionally spent, crying. And, you know, my Donna was trying to reassure me, and it's just like, it's not working. So anyway, I went to bed, got up the next day brushed myself off, decided I'm moving forward here. This is what, where God's got me. I'm going to make the best of it. And then, um, you know, we went to the, to the farm and was doing some work. And, you know, everyone was being supportive of me, giving me stuff to do that wasn't so physically exhausting. And I thought, okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm getting in the groove. This is going to work. And then one of our group members got suddenly very ill. Um, and I was able to step up, you know, and offer him, you know, I was able to be a nurse in those moments, and it was really important, and I felt even more value. And God just continued to pour into me, you know, people saying things and, you know, lifting me up, you know, in the next few days. Lucy, one of the pastors in the church, um, had said to me that, you have so much to give, and your life is just beginning. And that was powerful to me. You know, especially for, for Lucy to say that. And, you know, I was saying all this because, you know, I found my fight again. You know, I felt so defeated that first night. You know, and I just felt so challenged by everything. But, and even listening to Dave, you know, in recent weeks, you know, find your fight, and I thought, I didn't think that pertained to me. You know, I, I, I don't have a fight. I'm 70 years old. But I do, you know, and I'm back. You know, I feel my sense of humor is back. I feel more alive again. You know, I'm, I'm back. And I just want to say to everyone that no matter well, how old you are, no matter what circumstances you are in, that everyone has a fight. 
every day, how long we live, God has a plan for us up until the very last day. And I, I so believe that now. And I'm just very thankful. It's even emotional the second time I see it. Sorry. Um, hi, I'm Donna, and I'm the Outreach Pastor here at Alpine, and um, this is our day. It's the Hope Day, and I couldn't be more excited. This is my favorite day of all the year because you hear stories like this. You hear stories of people who have received hope and then are giving hope who are loving their neighbor as themselves. And I want to publicly thank you, Dave. I want to thank you for exposing some of those injustices that I think the northwest suburbs, we kind of put ourselves in our homes and our white picket fence, and we don't see it. We choose to not see it because it might break our heart. Yep. It might get us out of our seats. Um, and so we don't choose to. But even just watching the news, watching everyone, there's so much despair. How many of you in this room have friends whose life right now is in despair? There's not one of us that isn't affected by some kind of hopelessness. And I am so excited to be a part of Alpine, especially right now. I yeah, can't tell you. It's a good season. Um, you know, and just seeing the movement of people, not so much staff and what's going on here, but you. Yeah. Seeing God changing hearts, people coming to me saying, Donna, I, I want to bring hope somewhere. Help me find a way that what's breaking my heart I can do good with. And that blows my mind. I love Ephesians um, 2.10, where it says um, that in Christ, to do good things, God planned for those good things to be the way that you live our lives. He has plans. What just shared, what just went through as a child, he had plans to use that. Where there's an enemy that wanted to break that girl yep. down. But there was a bigger savior <laughs> that brought her up, and now she has stepped into a fight that was designed yeah. for her. And here at Alpine, we have a lot of things going on right now, but I don't think, I think this is just the beginning. Yep. Scratching um, the surface. It's, we're scratching it. Like, God is going to do good things. We have buddy breaks and access. Um, if things like um, disabled children or people who have some special needs breaks your heart, there's a way you can bring hope into these families. Yep. Um, there's a way you can bring hope into single moms, teen moms, people who are hungry, physically hungry, but also spiritually hungry. We have set up in the gym things that are, we're doing right now. Yep. And I'm so proud of our REACH team. But there's also a team that wants to help you find your fight. They want to help you find out what breaks your heart. And that's a prayer. You know, God, may my heart break with the things that break yours. And that's a good place to start. Yeah. But as an outreach team, we're here to help you find those fights because there are plenty of them. There's plenty of despair to go around. But we are hope bearers. And we bring the hope of Jesus Christ and a better tomorrow because it comes through God. So I just want to encourage you to go in the gym, find a fight, 
if you can't find one in there, we'll find one for you. <laughs> we will. Dave will. That's good. We will find one for you. And um, we just want to be here to partner with you. So I am so proud of this congregation Amen. and our yeah. pastor and just unveiling all of this to us. Amen. Can we just say thank you to Donna? We can keep that with you. So as we take our time here at the end, um, here's what we would love the response to be. Okay, what's powerful about this morning isn't that we're telling you what we're doing as a staff, but you're hearing what people in the church are doing in obedience to God. Here's what's true. The church that you go to is passing. You need to hear this. When, when we go to church, what tends to happen is we just become complainers of what is or isn't. When we are part of the church, which God is calling us to, and the church doesn't, the church exists for the world. When we're part of the church, there's just no time to complain. Because, because we're obeying. And maybe you're in a season where you need to be surrounded by the church. That's okay. We want to surround you. You're saying it might be messy. We're ready for that. We think. But we are. But for the majority of us sitting in this room and hear my heart, God is calling us to step into the mess of this world to bring the love of Jesus and hope that is desperately needed. Here's your responses. Four opportunities. When you go in that gym, there's a, there's a wrestling ring. Ha, that's awesome in and of itself. <laughs> On the four corners of the wrestling ring are tables. Four responses that we hope hit every one of you today. The first one, there's things we're doing as a church. There's initiatives that we're weighing into. We're not asking you, asking you to join a ministry. We're asking you to be obedient to God and join a fight. Fighting for justice the people on the other side of the giants. If this is your home, this is your church, then what we're doing as a church is important. It's your local expression of the body of Christ, and we need you. So you can sign your name on that line. They'll direct you to an initiative. And the moment you sign your name on any of these dotted lines, we want you to jump in the ring, climb through the ropes. Ha! You'll never forget that moment. And ring a bell to say, I'm in. Just ring the bell. The other table, you're sitting there going, man, God is breaking my heart for something. He's put this this injustice or this need for justice in this area on my heart. And I don't know where to go with this or what. Let's get it down on a piece of paper with your name next to it and let us join you in that journey. The third one is, man, I'm fighting and you all don't even know it, but I could use your help. There's some things that we're doing that God has put on our heart. And as a church, we want to walk alongside of you. The last one is this. Nothing breaks your heart right now. You're just trying to get through the day. Get through life. Survive. I believe that God has something that he's wanting to excavate inside of you. To pull out of you. There's a table where you can go and say, I'm just not even sure. But you can write your name down. And we'll come alongside of you and walk a journey with you to discover that. And see what comes. No matter which one you sign, jump in the ring and ring the bell and say, I am in. Because we are raising up a church that we want you to be part of, 
not simply go to, that we are a people, not a place. And God's going to use us. Stand to your feet with us. God, I am so proud of this church. And I love you. And I am so thankful for your impact on my life, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. May it be fully yours. May all of our lives be fully yours. And in the midst of that, give us the strength through the power of the Holy Spirit to fight for each other, to love each other, to lift each other up. That the world would see that and wonder what's going on and we could share hope. God, I pray that every person in this room, you would lead in breaking their heart for what breaks yours. Some of us specifically, others of us generally, may we love your church in a way that we get to be the church. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God's going to do some big things. Amen. We love you. Go ring a bell.